Welcome to The Common Bridge, where policy and current events are discussed in a fiercely nonpartisan manner. The host, Richard Helpy, is a philanthropist, entrepreneur, and columnist who has over a million listeners around the world. His podcast and YouTube shows draws guests and audiences across the political spectrum. Hello, welcome to Richard Helpy's Common Bridge. I'm your host, Rich Helpy. Of course, the show is available on most podcast outlets and on YouTube TV. It's the season of giving, and there's so many great causes there, and I think none as universal and close to home as that of our servicemen and women that have defended this country and carried out the interests of the United States. We have today with us a guest who's going to talk to us about history flight and the work that he's doing along with a team of colleagues in recovering the remains of lost servicemen and women. Paul Schwimmer, welcome to the Common Bridge. We're so happy that you're with us here in Studio K of the Common Bridge. Thank you very much. It's, it's a fascinating topic. It, it is. Our audience likes to know a little bit about our guests, so maybe tell us a little bit about you. Where were your early days, and what kind of career did you have, and how did you end up uh, with quickly, History Flight? Uh, I'm a Michigander, born and raised. I grew up in a little town called Birmingham, and then my older sisters, five of them, thought I was getting too conservative of an education, so they brought me here to Ann Arbor, and oh. I've been here since the 60s. I'm a professional land surveyor, over five decades worth of surveying experience, and all the teams that I volunteer for, for going overseas, I say, don't leave without your surveyor. <laughs> and that's the one way I get to go on these, 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 uh, these missions. More importantly, you get to come home if they don't forget the surveyor. More importantly, I, I do get to come home. That, that is fantastic. Now, you've been working with something called History Flight and something called the A. Scott Foundation. What is History Flight? What is the A. Scott Foundation, and what's the mission? Uh, I started out in, in, in this uh, by doing pride and honor flights. I would raise money, and I would go as a guardian. That's where we took the World War II people to Washington. The pride and honor flights, what, what is, what's a pride and honor flight? Uh, that's where they raise funds, and we take, we, at that time, we took the World War II boys to Washington, D.C., to the war memorial there. Oh. And uh, each three veterans had to have one guardian. So I would raise funds, and that's how... I'll talk about uh, A. Scott Foundation a little bit, but that's how I got involved, and I was doing a speech, raising funds, and a guy walks up to me, he goes, Schwim, that's pretty cool. You want to know what I do? And he started talking about being deployed overseas and recovering World War II kids, and I go, I'm in. And he goes, what? I go, I'm in. And that was 2009, and I've deployed uh, just about 20 times now overseas all around the world. Um, to some pretty interesting places, to some pretty disgusting places. But if that's where the boys are, that's where we go. Now, is it exclusively for World War II? We do World War II. I did take a team to Vietnam. Uh, the A. Scott Foundation funded me to go to there, but it's World War II. Uh, the government agency, DPAA, mm -hmm. Department of POW MIA Accounting, they're concentrated on Vietnam, and they should be because the soil there is acidic, and the bones are dissolving. We've been unfortunate when we talk about Tarawa, the bones are in just pristine condition. Now, where is Tarawa, and what was the history, and particularly the history with the United States military? Tarawa was one of the first uh, atolls in the South Pacific uh, that, the, that the Marines came in in amphibious vehicles. And it was pretty much a disaster on timing 
uh, when they launched the invasion, the tide was out. So the vehicles got stuck up. The kids had to wade through 300 to 400 meters of chest deep, waist deep, knee deep water, and they were mowed down. And oh my uh, we lost a thousand United States Marines and corpsmen. And we have to say corpsmen, the Navy corpsmen, because when we recover them, you can always identify them because on their hand, they'll have that medical ring. And then we know we automatically have a corpsman. But um, after the battle, they just dug trenches and uh, they placed, you know, the fallen in the trenches and covered them up. And then three days later, they left. So here we are 75 years after the end of the war. And the remains have stayed where they fell or where they were buried in makeshift graves. What survives of the families and what do you do with the remains after you find them? That's interesting because a week ago I was over at Camp Custer, Fort Custer. Here in uh, Battle Creek. Here in Battle Creek. Mm -hmm. That's I used to parachute into when I was a young soldier. And uh, the 94-year-old brother of a boy that we recovered on, uh, on Tarawa met the body at the airport, escorted it back, and buried his brother. Um, so that's 94 years. Uh, Rich, I don't care if the soldier died a month ago or 80 years ago, Americans still care. We've lost that window of having siblings there, but I've done one in Maine where the sibling was there. I just came back from Seattle where it was just the family. But History Flight attempts to send a representative to every one of these funerals where we were involved bringing the boy home. And it's you, a great organization. And you have some military experience yourself. I do. Uh, 68 to 74, um, I was in the United States Reserves. I was the demolition expert on the Special Forces Green Beret Airborne Team. Uh, that's where I served. Um, but this give back that I'm doing now, I think I have more time in the field now than I did in all my active duty career. There's some stories, some case studies about a young service person that you brought home. What do we know about their history, where they came from, why and how they came to serve, and the circumstances around their death? What have you found out about the people? Let's talk about Bonham. History Flight was started by a gentleman named Mark Noah mm -hmm. in 2003. He went to the island of Tarawa as a tourist, um, and as he was walking through the hooches, uh, the houses as they call them, he saw human remains on her front porch. And he walked up and knocked on the door, and the lady goes, oh, yeah, you know, these are American servicemen. And Mark goes, well, who's coming to get them? Well, nobody's come to get them. Uh, so he started History Flight. And uh, I've been to Tarawa seven times. Mark has been there over 30 times, just totally dedicated. And he was doing all the funding, and then I was helping with the funding. And, you know, two times, maybe three times a year, um, I would fly over there. Um, I, I was mapping something, surveying something called Cemetery 33 on the island. And uh, I had just gotten home, and you have to realize it's like a 36-hour trip to get there. I uh, just gotten home, and three days later, Mark Noah calls me, and he says, I'm sending you a picture. I need you to come right back. Oh, what was the picture of? Three United States Marines laying in the bottom of a trench, wrapped in their ponchos. Oh, my goodness. So now, I, you're, you're very good at finding things. I am. As uh, a surveyor. And... You know, out in the field for 50 years, you know, I look for things. In fact, a, a late friend of mine uh, classified me as, as the guy that does find. So I called my wife down and I showed her the picture and I go, honey, I got to go. And uh, she says, I'll get you packed. It's so 
it's it's so comforting to have a wife that just supports you, you know, to say, okay, he's off again, here he goes, bring him home. And that's what I try to do. That's fantastic. Now, I under, understand now it's historyflight.com, is that how? History Flight's our website. Uh, they have a Facebook page. It's currently run by a Sergeant Major Lehu, retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sergeant Major Lehu was a United States Marine that was awarded the Navy Cross. He's kind of running the program now. Uh, I'm a volunteer. I'm one of those guys that, you know, tell me what you want me to do and then just get the hell out of my way and let me do my job. <laughs> well, you've been very successful with it. Now, I understand that History Flight's also gone into the European theater, Belgium, and had some success in finding remains. Uh, we have. Uh, right off the bat, History Flight has recovered over 350. 350, it's an incredible number. When we started, we, we hoped we were going to get one or two. But now they're coming in in fives and tens in our research. Uh, and of those 350, 150 have been positively ID'd and are being brought back home. How do you go about identifying them? Um, well, it's all research. We know who we're going to go after, especially in Europe. I think you're talking about the B-26 bomber that was shot down the Battle of Bulge called yeah. the Unconscious. The Unconscious, that's yeah. right. Yeah. The Unconscious. Um, we went first in 2011 and walked through the Hurtgen Forest in that area, and we discovered a crater. And then we came back um, in 2012, and we started to do an excavation. We have a, a team, two team members, uh, J.L. Steele and J.P. Speeder over in Europe, Belgians, mm-hmm. who have recovered numerous Americans. And uh, they teamed up with us, and uh, we took our cadaver dog. So we have research. We know where we're going. We put an investigation team over that contains a cadaver dog, ground-penetrating radar, surveyor, Mark Noah, the other parts of the history flight team. And if we can locate a piece of uh, remains or if we can locate uh, identification of the aircraft, uh, then we've done our job. In that case, uh, the first uh, piece of human remains was a femur that came out of the crater, came up through my wet screen. Um, and then we called the government in, and they sent a team in and spent two months, three months, exhuming the rest of those six boys. So do you have to interface with government agencies, or is there any laws that limit what you can do in terms of recovery? We, we are the longest-running partner that uh, the government has. Um, we, we work hand-in-hand hand with them, um, and um, they've been funding us love lately, but uh, it's not enough for what we, we really need to do. Uh, the government has a, bond, uh, a budget of $155 million and, uh, for all their recoveries. We have a budget of, I think, about $2 million if we can raise that. And we, the number of kids that we recover, uh, I have to clarify this. I call them kids. Um, when we got Lieutenant Bonneman out of the trench in, in Tarawa, um, he was a Medal of Honor recipient that they said we would never find. Well, he was number 22. I told you I had to go back. They found a picture. I got back for a number 16 boy, and I was all the way there two weeks until we got number 26 boy. Number 22 was Alexander Bonham and the Medal of Honor recipient. And I remember distinctly being in the trench with Kristen Baker, and I was working from the waist down. She was working from the waist up, and she goes, it's him. And I go, who? She goes, it's Bonnie. And she goes, look. And he had a gold bridge in his mandible, and he's the only Marine that had that gold bridge, so we, we knew we had him. The mistake I made is I got cocky, and I says, I want to see a picture of the next boy. And when you do a recovery in the trench, Rich, 
the next boy always shows himself through the wall. Like he's saying, here I am, come get me. And they were indeed boys. I visited the website for History Flight, and they're 18, 19 years old. 17. 17. When I said I wanted to see the picture of the next boy, the kid that looked back at me, if he was 16, I mean, it just... The military guys that serve on, on History Flight, and there's not a lot of us, uh, we're more sensitive. I don't want to use the word sensitive, but, you know, when I saw that boy and I was doing his recovery, every once in a while I just had to get up, walk out of the pit, take care of business, get my emotions, and then go back and do the recovery. And while you're recovering him, the next boy, you know, he starts mm -hmm. to show himself through the wall, or they're co-mingled. Um, yeah, it's, uh, but to bring them back home is... History Flight has done a phenomenal job. And when you bring them back home, oftentimes they are interred then at Arlington or other national yep. cemeteries. It's up the to the full, family. Full on, oh my goodness. It's up to the family. The last time I was in Tarawa, uh, I got invited to go there, and I was going to be the honor guard to fly 22 transfer cases back that the team had recovered. And when I was there, I got to work in Cemetery 26, uh, again, that I had been in in 2014. Um, and then uh, the Lost Row D, we've been searching for since 2003. Uh, we had a team on Tarawa. The natives tore down a quote-unquote house. The team automatically goes. Anytime they dig a hole, the team goes. And um, they dug, and sure enough, there's the Lost Row D that no one ever said was there. And we got 36 kids, 36 complete American boys came out of that trench. And, and who flies them home? Do you bring the remains on a commercial airline? No, it's, when they come off of Tarawa, it's called an angel flight. Uh, the first time we sent boys home, it was two C-130 Irks. Uh, the one I got to fly home on was a C-17, the only plane large enough to take that many transfer cases. And for us on the team, sitting there doing the, the flight home, mixed emotions. One time you're just smiling as happy as you could be because you got them. The next time you're crying like a baby, you know. Well, it's a bringing home the realities of war as best one can for people that have never been in that situation um, and the anguish of a, a teenager uh, going into a situation like that um, and never getting a chance to Live be married, life. have a job, raise a family, have a home. It would tear up your emotions. And in your website, you talk not only about Tarawa and Belgium, but places that are now in Korea. Betio Island is another place that most people haven't heard about. And yeah. Uh, Korea, you know, everybody says, I go, absolutely, I'll go to Korea. You know, I would love to see a non government organization be able to go into North Korea and do recoveries. Mm -hmm. yeah, I would go in a heartbeat. I don't know if it'd come out, but I would, yeah, my age. I would go in a heartbeat to get those kids. But over back into Europe, um, if, if the viewers really want to see what we do, um, I was on the recovery of Lieutenant uh, Burley Curtis. Uh, he, was in the, he was a P-47 Thunderbolt fighter pilot. Mm -hmm. He was the fourth one in the flight. They went down to bomb a, a bridge. He flew too low and flew through the bomb debris and crashed. Uh, in Belgium, uh, we did the recovery on him Every morning, there were more French out there than there were. We had a team of eight or ten. Every morning, the French came to help us do the recovery. And the French brought their sons, and then the sons brought their grandsons. I had one boy, 
maybe eight, nine years old, working on my wet screen. It's a three by three with a screen on the bottom. Everything that comes out of an excavation goes through a wet screen. Okay. So we don't mess anything. Uh, Lieutenant Curtis's, uh, his lieutenant bar came up first. But I had this young French boy. We couldn't communicate. And we're hosing down. And he reaches in. And he looks at it. Oh and my. it's the dog tag. It's the holy grail of, of artifacts that you can find. Is Burley Curtis's dog tag with a chain on it. And he's dancing around everybody. The next day, I had a different boy, and here comes part of Burley. Um, and they're, they're just, the French were more respective. They knew what our Americans you know, died for. And, you know, uh, the younger generation in America Day, I think that we don't teach them about that, but in France, they knew. So we've recovered three P-47s in France, the B-26. Um, the team went last year on a government contract and recovered six more bombers. Um, it's what we do. It's what we do. I've been to Wake Island, uh, Yap. I want to take a team back to Yap, a diving team, and look for a B-24 bomber in the water. Uh, if I go back to Tarawa uh, with my immune system now, it's highly unlikely that I should go back there. But there's a B-26 bomber I've been looking for for 10 years there. Um, but it's all based on this funding, Rich. It's all based on this. Well, let me ask my listeners and my viewers. I know everybody has their favorite charitable causes. We certainly have ours. But I want to let you know the Healthy Family Foundation will be presenting you a check today That'd be to, to support this gratifying. mission. And we will be putting information up on our website, richardhelpy.com. And particularly during this holiday season, if you can find a way to support this very worthwhile cause that I didn't know anybody was out doing this until I had a chance meeting with Paul and I said, my listeners and viewers need to hear about this. And this is not just a United States matter. No. Um, this was a world war and we united as a world to fight fascism and to fight ultimately communism and here we are again with that same battle going on history repeats itself it, indeed it does and your support for this organization it comes from first some flights on restored planes that was the initial way can you tell us about that um one of our donors gave mark noah a b-25 mitchell bomber a medium gave bomber and, so it's not on, that gift's not on everybody's list, by the way. Oh, no, no, no. The, uh, the uh, Yankee Air Museum does flights on their B-17. Here at Willow Run? Yep. Barbie, Willow Run, home of the Rosie the Riveter. And... Yep. Uh, Barbie 3 was our B-24. I got to crew her from uh, Arlington National Cemetery, where she did an emergency flyover for one of our vets that came home. And then I got to fly her back to Florida. And to sit in that tail gunner position and watch the world go by. So we raised money on Barbie 3. We had a uh, Texan, the T6 Texan, mm -hmm. that um, I just did not have the guts to pilot. Let me do a loop in. Uh -huh. uh, I did barrel roll, but I, I didn't want to do the loop. And then it took up too much time. The fuel got too, too expensive. Mark Noah, um, through some of his contacts, got other funding. And, uh, and then Alex Crawford here in, in local in Ann Arbor, you know, these guys, they just, we were in 2014, we took six World War II Marines back with us to Tarawa. And uh, they had festivities for them, but every day, those six Marines came back and watched us work on Cemetery 26 because those were their friends. And um, the agency that shipped them over didn't have the funds to ship them back. So uh, I called 
one phone call, Alex, I'm here in Tarawa. I got, you know, these guys. He goes, tell me how much you need. And that's the kind of Americanism that's out there. And Alex has, has stood up. He's the one that's created this A. Scott Foundation, mm -hmm. one of the funds that we give money to. The other one is a direct donation to the History Flight uh, Foundation. Um, and we'll have that information on our website. Does the uh, Defense Department, DPAA, do they contribute at all in money or just in coordination and resources? No, they, they're, they've been funding us. Uh, DPAA started going out to contract. We were the first ones to work with them on, on contracts. Um, we had recovered uh, 36 Americans um, in a trench on Tarawa, uh, the same trench I was in, in the... We ran the trench as far as we could until we hit the building. And then a year later we go, that's not going to work. So we went and we went underneath the building and uh, put the helmets on and put the kids in there. And we got 10 more kids. But uh, DPA now funds us for these projects. We, we work uh, on contracts with DPA, mm -hmm. but there's so many other targets out there. People listening to this broadcast wanted to volunteer, perhaps someone in early retirement that mm -hmm. has a skill. Or a veteran, yeah. Or a veteran. Is it just any willing and able body, or would there be specific skills that would be more We're beneficial? looking for skills. Um, every time we put a team out in the field, um, there's, a, uh, there's a forensic anthropologist, um, there's a site supervisor, there's a combat medic, usually... Uh, a Green Beret combat medic, the best in the world, uh, and there's an EOD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal. People, if, if, honey, if you're watching, but people don't know how much unexploded ordnance there is left around the world. Oh, they're still finding it in Germany. On Tarawa, when we uncovered the, the boys were put into, into ponchos and placed in the bottom of the trench. When we do the recovery and we peel the poncho off, Rich, the first thing you have to do is disarm them. One boy had five hand grenades on him. They've all got ammunition on them. If they, were, if they didn't make it into the beach, uh, they had their helmet on and they were fully armed. If they made it to the beach, and um, then no helmet, very small. Can I read something to you about Tarawa? I would love to hear right. it. People want to know how bad it was. So this poem was written by uh, Pappy Leopold after the battle, and it goes, he pointed to a Marine laying on the pier and said, you know who that is? I said that I didn't. He said, that's the lieutenant. He's dead. And the lieutenant was my best friend. And that's the way it was. Everyone's best friend was lying dead, sprawled on the beach. Stiffened in the water, rocking with the tide as if in a cradle. As far as you could see, men floated in the terrible stiffness of death. They were United States Marines. Those were our best men. They went in there with all that they had, and they went in, and they went in, and they went in, and those that made it through took that island called Tarawa. Life magazine was the first uh, magazine to photograph the dead in a battlefield, and they photographed the, the boys floating in the surf, and the Americans back home were just, just, not just angry. They hadn't seen that, that legend of the war before. But uh, now history flights there. I understand we're putting two teams back uh, in, uh, in January. Um, if anybody's going to make a donation, that would be great. Uh, 
DPAA does not need donations, even though they have a donation form. They get $155 million. Um, Mark said that we, could, we can get a boy for thirty to a hundred thousand, where DPA it's considerable more than that. Um, but uh, now anywhere around the world, uh, Mark gets calls all the times. I get calls. Gee, you know, I'll give a presentation. You know, mm. my uncle, blah blah blah, and I'll say I'm going to direct you to, you know, Katie Rasdorf, our researcher, and, and Katie fires right back what we know about the boy. And if he goes on the list, you know, to do a recovery. This is really important. So someone can go to History Flight and say, yep. I know of a service person that was lost, one of the 79,000 that were lost during World War II, and this is what we know about them, and that might stimulate a search. Sure. And if it's, uh, like I say, we're not too much into Vietnam, but if it's Korean War, uh, we've got John Zimmerly. Uh, who, who directs the organization that goes that way, we will try to get you an answer. We'll get you pointed in the right direction on who to contact to find, the, you know, to find your loved ones. They deserve to come home. You know, people ask me, you know, why the team does it, and, and I used to have two reasons. One is that uh, we promised them. You know, if you fight for this country, gosh darn it, Rich, you deserve to be brought back home. And the second one was I tell people, look, when I'm overseas into some of these jungle areas and under the water, you know, if I don't come back, I want someone to bring me home. And then I was on Wake Island and I was uh, talking to the executive officer of a Marine F-18 flight. And uh, we became good friends in the two weeks I was on Wake looking. And we were in the NCO club, backslash bar. And he, <laughs> one night he says, Schwim, he says, if I go down in Afghanistan, I want you to bring me home. And I go, not a problem, you know, Brian, I'll do it. Um, and then the next night, the night I was, before I've left, he gets me again, he goes, Schwim, if I go down in Afghanistan, I want you to bring me home, I want you to find me. Then I knew what he was asking for. And I looked at him, I go, Brian, if you go down, I will come get you, I will bring you home. And you can just see his chest go, that's one less thing he had to worry about. So these kids need to know we're coming. Somebody's coming, but we're coming. The, you know, the anguish of a missing in action and had some peers who lost brothers mm -hmm. in Vietnam and some that were missing for many years. The anguish is unspeakable. Can it's, you imagine the, the mothers? Uh, no. When those vehicles imagine. drove up into those farmhouses? Uh, saving Private Ryan, you know, when, when they came up and said four years, how do you deal with that? The, they need to come home. And the lack of finality of someone that they're missing, presumed killed, mm -hmm. missing, presumed captured, it gives us every incentive to stay out of wars. But when they are necessary and they do fight and people go and give the ultimate sacrifice, yeah. we do owe it to them to bring them home. And to honor them, absolutely. Paul, this has been a very touching episode before we wrap up here today is there anything else that you haven't been able to cover yet that we perhaps we should have talked about future projects you know i've been to uh, the philippines twice now and uh, we're getting interested in that uh, we have other sites guadalcanal um you know i'm 72 i don't have a lot of time left and uh you know as soon as the quarantines are off i want to get back in the field some places, I, like I say, I, I shouldn't be going back to because of the disease. Um, when I, 
When I was doing it hot and heavy, my wife and my son would want me to stay at the Holiday Inn for a week after I came home. <laughs> uh, dengue fever, chikagunya, ringworm, uh, some of these viral infections we'd, we'd bring home with us, you know, but we'd cough and we'd get cured and we'd wait for the phone to ring and Audrey would take me to the airport, pat me on the ass and say, go bring him home. We've been talking today with Paul Schwimmer of History Flight, representing also the A. Scott Foundation. There's lots of servicemen and perhaps service women around the world from all the American conflicts. If you can see it in your heart to support this worthy effort, please look at richardhelpy.com, consider donating. If you have skills or an able body and you might want to go into these areas like the Philippines, like Guadalcanal, like Korea, or perhaps more into the Pacific or European theaters of World War II, please contact History Flight. This is Rich Helpy signing off on The Common Bridge. Thanks for joining us on The Common Bridge. Remember to rate us, review us, and comment about what you heard today, and recommend us to your friends. Visit us at richardhelpy.com and sign up for special promotions. This broadcast was produced by Stunt3 Multimedia and is available on YouTube and all podcast directories. All rights are reserved by Richard Helpy.